So I'm a preacher, teacher type, which means, um, hallelujah, I'm here to steer you up. That's what I get paid for from the Lord. Steer me up too. Let me ask you the question now. Are you a God-fearer? The second email just turned on. Mm -hmm. In Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 12, which is in your notes. Hey, Paul, why is this continuing to log into Internet? How come I'm looking at my teaching and suddenly it goes log in? Maybe you can log in so I can get rid of this. Uh, you need to... Uh you need to log in. Can you, uh... All right, you can... So in that first scripture, Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 12, God never changes. God is not better today in the New Testament than he was in the Old. He remains the same, perfect. But really, God, Jehovah speaking through Moses, says, here is the main thing in your entire life. Four things God says he requires of his people. Said one, got it? It's gone. Fear the Lord. Number two, walk in all his ways. What's God's behavior like? What's his character like? Number three, love the Lord. And number four, serve him. You know, on our list, if we made a list, we'd say loving God would be number one. That'd be most important. But it's not number one on God's list. Fear the Lord is number one. Why wouldn't loving God be number one? Because you can't love somebody you don't know. And to fear God is to understand what God is like, how he behaves. And serving the Lord, of course, is serving other people. So if we say we love people, we're going to share the gospel with them. As Paul was talking about, say, Nepal, you go up in the mountains of Nepal, they never heard of Christ before. Um, it's, it's a whacked place. They're far removed. Uh, but yesterday I went to get some phone card uh, in my phone and I'm sharing the gospel with this guy. He's heard about Jesus and he has all his reasons why he doesn't follow the Lord. Uh, I went to another place where my wife bought some cosmetics at Macy's and um, she's living with her boyfriend. There, she's Vietnamese. Uh, her boyfriend's Vietnamese and she knows a little bit about God and, um, but right now there's other things that are important in her life and so on and so on. So it's kind of hard sometime in America to find people that have never heard about Jesus too much. But in, in Asia, in uh, Vietnam, parts of Vietnam, in Nepal, big time, uh, they've never had no clue. So we've got the key. We've got the good news. Fearing the Lord, number one on God's list. You know, we look at people in the Old Testament. You may have heard their name before. Joseph, obviously, Mordecai, and Daniel. All these men became God-fearers. They're not born God-fearers, but they became what I call God-fearers. Uh, each of those men faced a temptation just like you will face temptation uh, with God's fear in their life. Joseph successfully uh, faced adultery. Handsome guy, no doubt an attractive woman. David did the opposite. Okay? Saw a woman and went after her. He lacked God's fear in his life at that time. With uh, God's fear... Mordecai overcame extinction because the plan of the devil through Haman was to extinct all the Jewish people, kill all of them, just like Nazi Germany. And with Daniel, he overcame lions. Again, he walked in God's fear. If it's time to go home and I'm going to be somebody's dinner, I'll be somebody's dinner. Uh, as John MacArthur said, you know, if uh, David, excuse me, if Daniel died, the next face he would see would be Jesus. 
if he lived, the next face he would see would be King Darius. So he got the lesser, but he had some, some things to do down here. So these three men all overcame, and so will you. You will overcome whatever you face in life if you walk in God's fear. If you walk in God's fear. In the New Testament, we use the term God-fearer, or someone that feared the Lord. Who's he talking about here? And when you went to a Jewish temple or a Jewish synagogue, the Jewish people would sit in the front chairs, or the majority of chairs. And if you were a, a Gentile, but you were interested in Jehovah, or knowing about God, you could sit in the back row. And so they, they would say, so whenever they opened up and said hello this morning, they'd say, uh, sons of Abraham, listen to me. And also you God-fearers. I like that word, God-fearer, to be called a God-fearer. To be a Christian today doesn't mean much in some people's eyes. It's just become an overplayed word. But when they say, I'm a God-fearer, that, that speaks something in our life. So in Acts 13, Paul and Barnabas are preaching in a temple. And in verse 16, Paul stood up and said, Men of Israel and those of you who fear God or are God-fearers, listen. Listen. When you walk in God's fear, you're going to listen to the Word of God. When you walk in God's fear, you're going to listen to the Holy Spirit personally talking to you one-on-one. -on -one. Don't do this or please do this over here. Who are some of the God-fearers in the New Testament? Lydia. In Acts 16, verse 14, Paul has been led sovereignly by the Holy Spirit along with Barnabas, excuse me, along with Silas and Timothy and Luke to a river because there's no Jewish temples in that city at that time. And so any God-fearers would be outside. And so he met this woman named Lydia and says she was a worshiper of God. But actually when you look at that word in the Bible language, it means also a God-fearer. So this woman feared God, uh, was there at the temple or outside of the river there, uh, and, and God opened her heart to the, the preaching of Paul. And she became uh, not only a Christian, but she opened her home up. She insisted that Paul and these guys stay in the house, not just for the night, and teach them the word of God. And, that was, and a church was planted in Lydia's house. And, and then the word of God started to spread in the whole area of Philippi after Paul uh, went to prison. The fear of God in Lydia's life, which was a gift from God, attracted God's attention to save her, her house, and start to save people in the city. You know, as a former practicing Catholic who grew up in high school and so on, I had some fear of God, but not enough to go to heaven because nobody ever explained the gospel. I mean, I, I always feared hell. I don't want to go to hell. I remember praying every night. I'd get on my, my knees, lean on the bed, and say, God, whatever I've, I've done wrong today, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Don't let me go to hell. Da -da 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 -da. That's all I knew. It, it worked better than nothing. But when I got out of high school, that prayer didn't work anymore because I wasn't praying. And again, I didn't know the Lord. Cornelius, my hero kind of guy, Cornelius, Acts chapter 10. It says in Acts chapter 10, verse 2, uh, this guy uh, feared God, and he uh, was a man who had some financial success. He had servants in his home. He had 600 soldiers under him. He was his top gun. And the fear of God attracted heaven to him and his house. And one day an angel of the Lord appeared uh, as he was just praying continually to God and said, uh, your prayers have been heard, your giving to the temple has been received, and your, your God-fear has been drawn attention and so go and send for Peter, who's in another city, and here's the street. You'll have to find out the address yourself. And he will come here and preach a message, and you and your house will be saved. That's pretty radical stuff. This guy's not a Christian. 
but he's a God-fearer. And again, he says he continually prayed. And he had a busy guy like a Vietnamese businessman over here. 600 people under his authority. Taking care of the house. Got a family. Uh, taking care of the government's need. But feared God. Continually, he's just praying over here. Praying over here. A careful man. Uh, and then uh, he came to Christ. In Acts chapter uh, 10, verse 22. In obedience to their master, two servants and one of his soldiers have went to the place where Peter is, have located him. And Peter's been on the rooftop and he's been praying. He's supposed to pray. He's a Christian. He gets paid for that. And so he comes down and God has talked to him and said, go and I sent those three guys. He said, what brings you here? And he said, our master, Cornelius, a man who fears God, a man who continually prays, has had a vision to send for you to come and preach. So these are guys, they're not Christians themselves, but they can see the testimony. Our master is a different guy. He's a different businessman. He is a fear, a God-fearer. And so when Peter got this, he said, I'm going, I'm going. And Jews did not work with Gentiles, didn't even have a dinner with those guys at the time. They had a built-in prejudice. Church tradition says that Cornelius planted a church. And when he grew up in the Lord, he planted a church. Good fruit. How many of us in this meeting this morning, this afternoon, walk in God's fear and pray the way Cornelius did? And we can't say, well, you know, I'm busy, man. Well, who else? Who? In Laos, they're busy. In Vietnam, they're busy. The whole planet's busy. But priorities are priorities because you're going to live forever, either in heaven or hell. You're going to be rewarded forever, either you're not or you aren't. You know, we can only take our obedience to what we've done in this life, whether we're a teenager or an adult or whatever, into the next life. God doesn't give a rip about your career as far as success in the career. He wants to use our career as an opportunity to share the gospel with higher-ups or lows or whatever kind of a deal. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. So that's how Cornelius' servant saw him. How do your friends see you? Oh, he's a nice guy. Oh, he's a pretty good parent. I mean, he's really good with his kids. And, and those are good things, you know. Uh, seem like they have a good marriage. Hallelujah. I want something much more than that in my life. I want men to know, women to know, especially unbelievers, that guy fears God. That guy fears God. He's different. He's careful. His marriage is different. And, you know, he's straight up. He's straight and he's sober. We're sitting there yesterday with uh, Lee, Vietnamese gal. She's been in the States here nine years. Uh, she's got a boyfriend and so on. And so she says, I want to take you to Starbucks after I get off my shift. So I said, let's go. So we got there. So she's just a sweet gal. She's a happy, outgoing gal, attractive gal. And so I said, how you doing? I said, you know, so because I know her from last year. I said, so you still living with that guy? Black, that's opening bell. You still living with that guy? Yes, when are you going to get married? When are you going to get that relationship right? I said, you know you're not going to go to heaven. You'll continue living this way. Just shoot straight. Yeah, I'd rather just so nice to see you. Gosh, your hair is so pretty. La, 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 la. Gee, do you ever think about Jesus? Do you ever read that track I gave you? You know, friendship evangelism. No thanks. So she gave us some good answers to those questions. So we said, well, okay, we're going to meet with you and your husband. Let's go after him too, okay? Maybe in a week or two. Yeah, because uh, we know that they are facing eternity, just like all men, with, without Christ in their lane. Good people, but not good enough to go to heaven. Amen? A lot of good people in the world. God-fearers preach a straight gospel or witness a straight gospel. Now, most of us are not preachers. But we're all called to be a witnesser. And you can witness like from over here, backside. Uh, eventually I'll give that person a track someday. Or we can shoot straight with the love of God. 
And Paul was that way. To have a maximum impact on your witnessing or preaching, and to cut to the heart, your sword has to be sharp. And the sword is your spirit. You've got to have a strong spirit. I'm a Pentecostal. I don't put that above Baptist or that kind of thing. But I, I keep fervent in prayer to keep my spirit sharp. So when I speak, the, the word cuts. It cuts in love right to the heart. Yeah. And we can say even difficult things sometimes to people that otherwise they wouldn't receive, but they know you love them. They know you're not some religious weirdo and you, you want to reach their heart for Christ. When you preach or when you witness to somebody, is conviction, does conviction fall? Does conviction come? I want to suggest that if we don't keep a strong spirit because of we're too busy or we've got wrong priorities or combination of stuff, um, there's not much conviction that's going to follow the truth that we're speaking. But when our life lines up right today with what we're talking about, it'll cut. It'll cut every time. History describes Felix as a cruel governor of Judea. Felix, over in the book of Acts. How did Paul, a God-fearer, minister to Felix? It says in Acts 24, 24, Paul spoke about faith in Christ Jesus to this guy. Felix likes Paul. He liked his manner or whatever, and he called for him sometime to speak. So in verse 25, it says, As Paul was discussing with Felix, a cruel guy, righteousness, self-control, and judgment, Felix became frightened and said, Go away for the present. And he never asked him to come back another time. At least it's not in the Bible. Sounds like conviction came upon Felix. And that, that, that made somebody like Paul happy. Righteousness, he taught. That's who God is. That's where you start. Self-control, that's what you're called to do. Judgment to come, that's what you will experience if you obey God or you disobey God. Great white throne, judgment seat of Christ. So when we witness to somebody that doesn't know the Lord, we're to bring the knowledge just like he did to Felix to say, the righteousness of God, who God is, he's God is good. Second, self-control, you're supposed to behave this way, you're supposed to behave that way. Three, judgment will come if you don't, one of the two. So when Paul preached that way, he didn't apologize. Felix came under conviction and said, uh, go away for now, which means get out of here. He knew he met a God-fearer. He knew he met a God-fearer, not a religious nut. Again, God-fearers, women, men, preach or witness straight. You do it in love, or tell the truth. A good question, at least uh, I would say this to a Pentecostal audience, is not do you speak in tongues, that's important. But a good, an excellent question is are you a good God-fearer? Are you a God-fearer? Yeah. Assuming you're a God-fearer in this room, could you increase in God's fear? Could you actually increase more than you got right now? I think so. The fear of God, it says in the Bible in three places, is to depart from evil, especially the evil in your own heart. We all have that sometime. It, it's the beginning of wisdom, which means no matter how smart you might be from university training, it's not talking about that kind of wisdom. It's talking about the kind of wisdom that Solomon walked in or Jesus walked in, where God speaks to your spirit about this is the solution to the problem that Microsoft doesn't know the answer. This is the solution to your marriage, sir. This will save your marriage if you do this and this and this because God gives you wisdom on the spot. Yeah. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's the beginning of knowledge. And it's to hate sin, especially in our own life sometime, and then depart from it, to run from that kind of stuff. The fear of God has saved me and kept me out of trouble lots of times, lots of times. 
Yeah, whether it's in America, Vietnam, some other place. In the, in the book of Nehemiah, Nehemiah was asked to uh, build a wall around Jerusalem, get some guys to help out, teamwork. And they, they, when he completed the wall around Jerusalem, uh, he put two men over the city. And in Nehemiah chapter 7, <coughs> excuse me, verse 2, Nehemiah says, I put Hanani, my brother, and Hananiah, the commander, in charge of Jerusalem. And then referring to the latter, Hananiah, he says, he was a faithful man, and he feared God more than many. So back in those days, there were some people who feared God, and there were some people who feared God more than many. Now, my question, and you, in the, come on, if you were Vietnamese, or maybe American even too, we'd say, my brother gets the top job, okay, because he's, he's got my name. But this guy said, the top gun here is Hananiah, who's not a relative, because he fears God more than many, including through my brother. How would he know that? Did God speak to him? Fearing God, we'll talk about that in a second. Fearing God more than others is a choice and not a gift. It's a choice and not a gift. Can you honestly say uh, that the fear of God has increased in you since you first believed in Jesus? Has it increased since you entered ministry, children's ministry, women's ministry? Has it increased in the last 12 months of your walk with the Lord? Would that be important to you? Would it be important to know that? I think these questions need honest answers because to be healthy, you need to grow. And again, if we're born again, we have some fear of God in our life. But you've got to water that seed so it becomes a plant. And that plant grows and takes dominion in your thinking, in your action, in your ministry. Yeah. Fear of God keeps you out of a lot of trouble. and keeps you in the will of God, center in the will of God. When you fear God more than many, God can trust you with important leadership decisions, whether it's at work or in the ministry here. God can trust you with being a good steward or a manager. God can trust you to submit to those over you rather than argue. When you don't walk in God's fear, things can go very wrong sometime at home, in your life, in your family, in your ministry. But a man or a woman who walks strong in God's fear will carefully live before men and before God. They'll be prayerful in making decisions and lead their life in a sober way. There's the key. How do I know this one guy had more fear of God than the other guy? Careful living. Careful with their mouth. Careful with their action. I find whether I'm with my Baptist brothers or whether I'm with my Pentecostal brothers or sisters makes no difference. Men who walk in God's fear are careful. Not like I'm freaked out, you know, God's going to kill me if I a sin or something like that. Not at all. But there's a reverence for God. There's a knowing someday I'm going to stand before the living God. And it's not going to be to have a cup of coffee. It's going to be, he's going to be happy to see me. He's going to be happy to see you. But it's going to be the judgment seat of Christ. We're going to review your life since you first believed. Not your past sins before you came to Christ. And he's going to say in a loving way, what did you do for me, so to speak? What did you do for me, man? I don't care about what you did for you. What did you do for me? I took care of my wife, took care of my kids, provided good money for them, went to church on Sundays. Is that, is that it? You know? Again, God calls each of us to serve him in different ways. For sure, all to be a witness. But I have to have a fairly, kind of a straight life if I'm going to be a good witness for the Lord. Outside, I can't live a double life. Yeah. 
though we're supposed to rejoice in the Lord always, again I say rejoice, be joyful. Peter says in chapter, 1 Peter 5, 8, he says, be sober in spirit and be alert because your adversary the devil goes about like a roaring lion, wants to destroy you. You know, when we walk in God's fear, we're still hallelujah, glory to God, jump up and down, do whatever you want to do. But there's a soberness of thinking. There's a, like a drunk that wakes up the next morning sober, where you, you look at life, you look at your lost neighbors. You know, you look at things God's told you to do. You look at a sin attitude that's not right in your life, and God's been saying, when are you going to repent of that thing? When are you going to let that thing go? When are you going to turn your TV set off and leave it off? Or whatever God might talk to you, you know. Because you belong to me. You don't belong to this world. This is not home. You belong to me, the living God. I didn't save you to entertain you, but I saved you to give you a relationship with my son and for you to help some other people. You know, I don't consider myself an overly talented person, and I struggled to make marks in college. I struggled. I had to study three hours for every hour I was in the classroom to get a C, just to get a basic C. Other people got A's and aced it. I thought, what did you leave out here when you made me, God? You know, hello, hello. And I thought, I'll never graduate from college. I'll never make it. Uh, just, it just is too hard for me. My brain just goes zoom, zoom, zoom. Somehow, using drugs, meth, okay, speed, drugs keep you up all night, I passed my exams. C, C plus, once in a while, I got real lucky. Didn't know the Lord. But when I came to Christ, things started sinking into place. And I knew when I got saved, something about the fear of God. I knew when a girl from the choir at this big Pentecostal church uh, that was an attractive woman came up to where I was working in a shop I owned, a rock and roll club with my brother. And uh, she had seen me at the church a couple times. And she came up there and she said, I like this place. Man, rock and roll. This is cool, man. And so, she, and I said, are you a Christian? I've been saved two weeks. And she said, we're going to be Christian. She says, I've been going to church 15 years. My dad's an elder in the church or something. I said, oh. So, uh, so she, she said, I really like this place. And I kind of like you. You're a handsome guy. <laughs> so she sat down on this little sofa that was in the back room there. And next thing you know, somebody was kissing somebody. And I thought, my God, I thought I was set free from all that stuff. I became a Christian two weeks ago. And suddenly I stood up from the sofa. And I said, what am I doing out loud? I said, man, I am so sorry. She says, you're weird, man. There's nothing wrong with what we're doing. Come on, get a life. So I said, you're the one that's weird, honey. So she said, well, I'm leaving, man. And so that's the last time I talked to her. And I, I went back to the church next morning. I said, oh, Jesus, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And I went to the guy that brought me to the Lord. I said, what happened? He said, you're a baby Christian, man. You can't fool around with that kind of stuff, you know. You've got a new life. You've got you to protect your new walk with the Lord. He said, you have God's fear or you wouldn't be here this morning. He says, but just you've got to be careful. So, you know, God understands we're first getting started. But the fear, so that happened once. That was it, once only. Yeah. Be sober in spirit. You know, in Exodus chapter 20, verse 20, God came down on the mountain called Sinai. When God came down and said it thundered, fire came down, not a volcano. Earthquake came, and then smoke. And so all Israel was freaked out. And then God has a sense of humor, and he says to Moses to say to the people, tell the people to not fear. Well, even Moses was afraid. Well, you know, why wouldn't you be? And he said, the reason I've come down and created this fear of me is that you would not sin. 
you would remain faithful to God. So again, God's fear wants to remain in you or become strong in us so that we avoid what God says avoid. If God says that's worldly, you say that's worldly, I'm not doing it. If God says something in your life is a waste of time, you say, you know what, that's a waste of time, I'm not doing it. If God says this is profitable, you say, I'm signing up for the program, that's profitable. Because I belong to somebody else. Not some religious weirdo, but I just belong to somebody. My flesh is just like your flesh. America is a comfortable country. Starbucks, pizza, coffee, pizza's better. Um, driving a car, a real car, I'm driving this Honda's after you like, am I saved? I'm saved again, I'm driving a car. Because in Vietnam I got, I got motorcycles and uh, there's dust and dirt in your face and people are trying to kill you, it looks like, on the motorcycles. It's a war. It's just a different deal there. And so I, I, every day I wake up in Vietnam or in Nepal or Myanmar, and I say, I'm clearly a pilgrim. I'm clearly an ambassador. Because this country is not home. Actually, America's not home anymore. No place is home. I'm homeless, you know? I have a good backpack and so on. But I'm thinking, you know, we're here for God. You know, we, we appreciate the provision of God. We appreciate the goodness of things. But we just say, but this is not my stuff. This is really not mine. I live for God. I live for other people. Yeah, hallelujah. And then I can take something to the next life. I think I've told this joke here before. Somebody made it up about back in Oklahoma, per se. A woman, a Christian woman, had a big estate, a villa. And she had a couple of workers. And this one black lady worked for them. And she was a Christian that was really turned on to the Lord, had joy of the Lord. And so when she would be singing songs that she's washing by hand, the steps and so on and so on. And, they, and anyway, they, they both died, one before the other. And when the old woman died, she, uh, she saw Peter at the gate, man. And Peter, man, I, I recognize you. You must be Peter. She said, yes, I am. Says, uh, uh, and this angel here is going to take you to your mansion, your heavenly mansion. Oh, great. So she thought, man, I had a beautiful mansion in, in Oklahoma. Certainly I'm going to have a more beautiful one here in heaven. Says, follow me. So this angel goes there. They're walking by these super, super deluxe condos or whatever they must be up there. And said, that must be my house. Said, no, that beautiful house belongs to your maid, your housekeeper. She got that? Yeah, she really loved the Lord. Man, I can't wait to see my place. It must be a city block. So they turned to a part of the neighborhood that was not desirable. So she said to the angel, where are we going here? Hello, I think you made a wrong turn. She says, no, this according to my directions, this is the right way. And it got worse and worse. And finally she came to the ghetto of heaven. And there was a house that had broken windows and the, the, the door was tilted like this and stuff like that. And she says, oh my God. He says, that's your house right there. Just what kind of junk house is that? She says, that is not a junk house. That's a miracle house. We call it a miracle house. Why would you call this a miracle house? Because every time you obey God, we get one piece of timber or lumber. We, you obeyed God so little, well, you're lucky we had anything to make a house with. <laughs> so kind of funny story, but a reality of that kind of a deal, right? Because, yeah, we could go home tomorrow in the Lord, probably live old age and all that kind of stuff, but we could go home tomorrow. 30 Korean doctors got on a plane in Vietnam. They went to do uh, social work and help the poor in Vietnam first and then went to Cambodia to follow up. They never made it. The pilot was drunk. Air Vietnam crashed the plane, killed 103 people. All 30 doctors were Christians from Korea. They had no clue. Young guys, and they got on that plane that day. It was the last day of their life down here. Yeah. And then yet, yet other people live until they're 90 years old. A friend of mine, a missionary, just died few weeks ago, 91, over in the Jordan. Still serving God, his hand 
on the plow rather than the remote control getting to a new channel on the TV set. Yeah, we want to live for eternity. So again, God said, according to Exodus 20, 20, that the, I'm coming down on this mountain, I'm shaking it, I'm doing all this kind of stuff. I want to shake you with the love of God, too, that the fear of God may remain in you and not just visit you, so that you may not sin. How carefully are you living before the Lord and before other people today? How carefully am I living before the Lord and others today? Could you describe your prayer life as sloppy? Or could you, how about your ministry? Uh, how are you doing with your marriage? Are you being careful with that? Are you as motivated to evangelize today that you were when you first came to Christ? Do you plan things before the Lord in prayer, whether it's home, career, or ministry stuff? What will it be for you or what will it be for me? I find uh, if, if I'm lacking God's fear, I just make the plan. I just do this. I, I maintain my marriage and things like that. I don't think that pleases God doesn't make us happy. Paul wrote to the Philippian church and he said, Beloved, work out your salvation with fear trembling. That's not talking about how to get to heaven because that's the grace of God. That's repentance. He's talking about the way to grow as a Christian is not just to go to Bible study, but to grow in fearing God and even trembling before the Lord one time. Sometime when I'm reading the word, something would just convict me and I'll find myself shaking a little bit and with some tears coming down saying, God, you're talking to me. You're talking about something right now that you want to change in me. Man, man, I'm sorry, Lord. I repent. Forgive me, Lord. Again, growing in salvation is not simply study. So it takes intentional effort upon your part and my part to walk in God's fear sometime and to grow in God's fear. Intentional effort. You can't follow the church. We don't criticize the church, but I'm not going to compare myself with the average Joe, with the guy that doesn't witness, with the person that comes to church once a week. I'm going to compare myself to Christ. Right? He's our goal. He's, our, he's everything. Amen. And if we get closer to God, we grow in his fear, we can help other people, not judge them, but help them also develop their fear of God. You know, I've learned, I'm still learning, the fear of God starts with your mouth. Yeah. And the words that you speak at home and in the real world. Yeah, I got control of what I say. If there's no fear of God in your mouth, there'll be no fear of God in your heart or somewhere else either. Because, you know, death and life come out of your mouth. I find that when I'm walking in God's fear, pretty good, whatever that might look like. I'm, I find I'm more guarded in my conversation. I weigh my words. I think before I speak. And I'm a, I'm a fast talker, so I can get in trouble there. So again, I can preach about the fear of God, and I can go home sometime and not demonstrate it here with my wife and behaving in a way that would be more appropriate. What's working there should work here. Let God's fear touch your mouth and change your speech, and then change your heart and then change your ministry. Confession begins with your mouth. And then possession comes in the heart. I pray often daily, Jesus, would you send the fear of God in my mouth today? Yeah. Change my talk. Yeah. Change my conversation. Give me the right way to say truth. Give me the, the right spirit to speak, Lord. Yeah. Give me edifying words right now. Not flattery words, but edifying words, Lord. Words that cut to the quick and so on and so on. Amen. Why not ask the Holy Spirit to show you how he sees God's fear in your life 
this morning, this afternoon. What does he see about the fear of God in you? Is it strong? Could it be a lot better? Is it weak? Wherever you are, God wants to help us. He wants to take us from here to here or from here to here. How did the early church function with God's fear? Well, it says in Acts 9, chapter 31, the church throughout Judea, Galilee, Samaria enjoyed peace built up in the Lord, going on in God's fear and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit and began to exponentially grow. The key to true church growth as far as numbers, and God is interested in numbers, he wants to populate heaven, is when a church walks into God's fear, not just one individual, not just a preacher. Yeah, when we walk in God's fear, the comfort of the Holy Spirit will also be connected and people will come to Christ. If we as a church fail to fear God, why should they fear God? Why should they listen to what we're talking about? Yeah. What's so different about us? Yeah. Years ago, I read in a book, True Story, out of uh, Texas, a church that went from sloppy to walking in God's fear. And God just started showing up, whether you can believe it or not. And when people would drive to the church, they'd come out to the parking lot. When they got out of the door of their car, they fell to the pavement. They had to crawl on their knees to get into the sanctuary. This is a church of a couple thousand people. And when they get inside, they just wept and wept. And things just, miracles after miracles were just starting. And conversion, 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 conversion of Christ. And God just wanted to roll up his sleeve and say, look what I can do when you walk in my fear. Yeah. So again, the early church grew by walking in God's fear and the comfort of the Holy Spirit. How can I become a God-fearer if I'm not one? Um, to finish up, let me go backwards for a second. That's Ananias and Sapphira, two liars in the Bible. These were tongue-speaking Christians, accounted among the brethren. They, they sold a piece of land. And they said, let's give 50% of the donation to the church, but let's lie and tell them we gave the whole thing. God didn't need their money. They didn't have to give a penny. But if you lie to God and you lie to Peter, you're probably in trouble. God decided to make an example and said, you're going home early. I don't think they went to hell, but you're going home early. So he died the same day she died. Obviously, they lack God's fear. How do I compare to those two people? Probably sometimes a little similar, maybe. Sometimes in some other area of my life. It's easy to jump on them. But how do you, how do you become a God-fearer, or how do you grow in God's fear? The only thing I can see is cry out to God, one day at a time, starting this afternoon. God, would you send your fear into my life. God, would you change me? God, would you put your fear in my tongue, put your fear in my mouth? I want to walk in God's fear. Or I want to walk better in God's fear than I know you now today. God, uh, get me in the word to the place where I'm not religious, but the word cuts to my heart. It just, it looks, it reads into my life. And I put priorities of God first, you know, and other prayers, priorities second. Yeah. So Father, right now in Jesus' name, among my brothers and sisters here, Father, I claim to be nothing hot here, nothing above them at all, just but a God-fear. Lord, I pray, Father, right now that you would touch us, Lord, if we want to be touched this morning. You touch us with your fear. If God's speaking to you, please stand. Just say, God, I'm, I'm standing here with Thorne because I want God's fear in my life. I want God's fear in my life in a greater way. If, that's, if God's speaking to you, you get on your feet right now, please. Okay? And if by getting on your feet, you're saying to God, this is me. You, you have my number, Lord. I need your fear. Or I need your fear in a greater way. I want the fear of God in my life. Hallelujah. Yeah, Father, we call upon the Lord. We lift up our hands to heaven. We lift up our hands to heaven, Father. Hallelujah. Lord, touch us. 
from the mouth to the mind to the heart to our decisions lord to our prayer life lord to our families at home lord in our career settings god we we need the fresh fear of god to come lord we want to be god fearers lord and we know we, you love us big time and you've called us to love other people. That's not a different issue here. But Lord, uh, we choose to walk in the fear of God. Send it in a greater measure, Lord. Wherever we're careless, Lord, uh, we praise you that God's fear is going to take in that area. And we're going to become careful, not legalistic, but careful in how we walk with the Lord and how we uh, manage things and so on and so on. Father, we praise you that you, Jesus, we, Jesus was a God-fearer, hallelujah. Or Cornelius had his turn. Joseph had his turn. It's our turn, Lord. We choose today to say, it's my turn, Father. I'm going to walk in the fear of God, and I'm going to learn your ways, and I'm going to love people, and I'm going to serve others, and all these things we said in Jesus' name, amen. Amen? amen. Tell somebody, I'm a God-fearer. I'm going to become one. Hey, I'm a God-fearer. Are you? Are you a God-fearer?